Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question. How do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled Virtues and Vices. Today I have with me Claire McCallan. Claire, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a short bio of hers. Uh, Earlier this year, Claire was selected as the winter artist in residence at the Grunderwald Guild in Lavenworth, Washington. She recently taught a series of online workshops on poetry as protest for the Guild's patrons. Similarly, she has spent the last few months trying to make a difference with her art by offering free virtual spoken word lessons to college students and selling prints of her work to benefit a pregnancy center for BIPOC mothers. Her most recent projects include the release of a film about her work entitled Claire McCallan, Little Victories, and a podcast featuring her entire portfolio entitled Letters from the Least. I had the great fortune to go to college with Claire, and so that's how we kind of were introduced to one another. Go Uh, Barons. Go Barons. And also, Claire is really good friends with one of my friends, Caroline. So, Caroline, you're not here with us today, but I'll give you a shout-out. Maybe the only time you'll ever get a shout-out on this podcast. So, (laughs) you guys all probably know her because she's famous on Instagram. So, just go follow (laughs) Caroline Ricardo. Anyways, thank you so much, Claire, for for coming on today. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reason being, I actually, I think I reached out to you months and months ago saying that at some point you'd have to be on the podcast. And then you did a study recently in your story that was basically on virtues and vices. And so I wanted to dive into that a little bit. And of course, this will, this will be a conversation. Um, Claire has been focusing on a lot of things. And so this is one of the many things. And so maybe it's today's conversation might not be as research-based as it could be in the future, but I think it's so relevant. And actually in the most recent episode of the podcast, it was talked about. So what better way to talk about it than to follow up right after so we can talk to the source herself. Um, So to begin, Claire, if you could just give a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to that study, and then we we can go from there. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I write about just organically what I'm thinking about. If someone gives me assignment, college was proof of this. Like if someone gives me assignment, like I can't do it. It has to be something that's organically coming from what I'm experiencing, what I'm thinking about. And I focus very heavily on virtue and vice in my own life. Um, probably to a fault where I, where I focus too much on it and get a little in my head. Um, but it's something that I really prioritize too when I'm choosing who to have in my life and just like living with integrity. Um, I almost wish that I could be a little bit more natural about it, but I feel like I'm always counting up like the virtues and vices displayed in my own life. Uh, And I really, really had been thinking about it a lot. And just this thought kept popping into my head about like, do we assign gender to virtues and to vices? And I had this hunch as I was thinking about it, I just couldn't get away. And that's usually, I have all of these thoughts all the time. My brain is not like a safe space. And (laughs) what I started doing over the last couple months because it's just gotten to be just like too much I if I have a thought 
I like give it back to God. I'm like, okay, like I actually like, we'll see. There's too much going on. Like take it away. If it comes back, you know, it's like, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back a couple of times, I'll assume that you want me to write something about this. And the virtues mm. thing was like so constant. And then when I finally was like, okay, this is something I should think about. And I sat down and really thought about it. I was like, you know what? I think that I associate pretty much all of the virtues with femininity and pretty much all of the vices with masculinity. And then starting to kind of hypothesize and figure out in my head and in conversations with friends about why that might be. And so then I took it to my Instagram followers and uh, the most scientific way research can be conducted. I took it to my Instagram followers and um, asked them what they thought. And they just pretty much exactly seemed to have the same biases that I did. Mm. That's yeah. really interesting. So mm-hmm. then your your study led you to to see some some information. Do you have any of that that you can share with us? Just like even even some of those numbers. I know you and I talked a little bit beforehand. Um, yeah. Even, even yeah. chastity is what mm-hmm. you had eight hundred people, uh, over eight hundred people fill it out, and they said that they assign chastity. Yeah. With, as like as a as a feminine virtue mm-hmm. out of like whatever it is that over 800 people 666 devil number much 666 of them said that they thought that it was feminine and then it was like a hundred odd people thought that it was masculine which is so funny and we see this really played out and projected in our relationships and in our catholic world as the burden of chastity is so often put on not the burden oh gosh i'm sorry <laughs> edit it out edit it out the burden of chastity but the uh no, that's you that's, know. The, that's the quote that's the one that gets posted the burden of chastity <laughs> burden of chastity you know as the you know so often girls the ones who have to be like no stop don't and it because it's like oh well the girls are the strong ones when it comes with that and it's like are they or are we just telling them that they have to be yeah well, and, and it's it's funny you say that too. I I did a poll similarly, and I was asking questions about um, Catholic teaching, and you know, just understanding if people agreed with Catholic teaching on certain things. And then it got you know, I dove deeper a little bit with chastity as well, and I asked the question of Have you ever gone too far in a relationship? And surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, thousands of people were willing to say yes or no, which I was shocked of by. Course. Yeah, but you know. Admittedly, most of my following, 70% or so, is are females. And so the mm-hmm. next question asked was, have you ever been the reason for a relationship going further? Have you been the person who's pushed it to go further? Mm-hmm. And to the point of what you're saying about chastity, most of the people said that they had been, they felt like they had been asked to go further. And mm-hmm. then in terms of and they've been the person, most of them said, no, they hadn't, that it was, you know, mm-hmm. the other, the other side of it. And so to your point of the burden of chastity, you know, it, it seemingly has, has been felt, you know, in a certain sense. And, and so I guess before we get going, I want to ask you a question. And I know this was not something I sent you, but with that phrasing of burden of chastity, of course, yeah. admittedly, neither one of us actually sees chastity in itself as a burden in the sense of we know it's not, you know, God didn't oh, absolutely not. create that virtue yes, to be seen as a, mm-hmm. as a burden. But mm-hmm. is there a reason you think that that is the phrasing that comes to from your head 
mm-hmm. and spills out. And, you know, I, cause I, cause I could agree with you. I, I feel that at times, you know, that it se- seemingly can be a burden. Right. And I think part of the reason that I would phrase burden of chastity, but not like burden of patience is because it is so often so unevenly split in relationships. So it does mm-hmm. become a burden when you're carrying more of it than you should. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's accurate. And I, it, I would also say that it can be seen as a burden um, because our, our Catholic faith is so beautiful when lived out, but there is a hypersensitivity oftentimes that can be geared towards our sexual, our sexuality and sexual sin in general. And that's not to, I don't say that to lessen the, the realities and the um, severity of, mm. you know, our sexuality and living chastely and whatnot. But sometimes mm. our society and as Catholics, you know, we're that one part that is so, you know, big on living it differently than what at least our society teaches, you know? And so well, I think sometimes it can, it can be seen uh, or is focused on hypersensitively and it creates an issue. And it's hilarious that we stigmatize it the way that we do because it's actually probably one of the least malicious sins. You know, it's a disorder of love most times as opposed to like gossip, which is like nefarious and like malicious and uh, Mm. murdering of someone's reputation. Whereas so often we look at sins against chastity, it's like a lack of self-control. I'm not making excuses for it. Oh, no, no. I know you're not. How we've stigmatized and really, like you said, kind of maybe got a little sensitive around it. Yeah. I, and I think too, I mean, there is, there's also a great, you know, the reality is we all are, we all want to love and be loved. And, you know, it goes back to the word you just said, disorder. There can be that disorder sometimes um, that's very real and it affects all of us in certain ways. And yet for some, you know, it is toward towards chastity or the lack of chastity and, you know, lust. Mm-hmm. But it, the conversation, of course, needs to um, maybe maybe just be changed a little bit in Catholic circles, especially because we have such a gift that we have the truth Mm -hmm. and we have the opportunity to change the culture. I think if we go about these things um, the way Christ would want them to, I think reframing the question and reframing the conversation um, can have a a big effect, but absolutely. I love that. um, To that point too, I mean, to, to, I guess, kind of get back to these virtues and vices, was there anything that really stuck out to you? Cause I think for, for so many people who, you know, might listen to this, um, you know, they want to hear, I, I think, as much of your insights on it as, as possible. And even like I said at the start, you know, if you have any percentages or even just listing them and, you know, we can then say men, female, male, female, and um, you could even ask me and I'll, I'll guess and we'll see how, how much I fit that bill as well. Because I'm sure people at home, you know, are going to oh, be saying... Really? The same thing. Absolutely. Totally. Um, okay. Um, let me see if I have these numbers pulled up. Oh, you know, I actually do have the percentages for the vices, at least. So we could just focus on vices um, initially. Perfect. But you want to say, uh, take a guess with masculinity or femininity um, on gluttony, 
Ooh, gluttony. Um, that's a tough one because I, I think I'd be pretty evenly split with gluttony in the sense of I, mm-hmm. I don't characterize mm-hmm. that as a male um, Well, and you know what? This one was. This one did not have a crazy majority. I mean, I guess I hmm? would say I think more of as a man in my own diet, I think men eat more unhealthily mm-hmm. and women, at least in my life, the women uh-huh. I'm around seem to care a little bit more about their personal health. So I guess right. I would put it as a, a male vice, but I don't think if I, I would technically categorize it as either or, but what was the... Right. And that, and that's the thing with gluttony too. I think the, the devil delights in us oversimplifying these terms. Cause like, does gluttony have anything to oh, do with just, food or just gluttony yeah, just have food. appetite? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I guess I only um, so typically think of it in food. Right. Right. Whereas girls are more likely to have like a shopping addiction that they're always you know, stuffing their closet. God, that's a personal example. Um, yeah. I mean, you're talking um, to Mr. Yeah. Amazon over here. So if I don't have a package yeah. every couple of days, I've, yeah. I've done something wrong. Right. <laughs> um, but we had 67% of respondents associate gluttony with masculinity. Um, mm. So again, not, that was one of the less severe majorities, one of the more, uh, but it was uh, towards, towards men. And, and I, I just, yeah, I would, I would encourage us to remember gluttony as a perversion of appetite rather than. Than just, yeah, what I was indicating. Right. It's not just eating too much, mm-hmm. having a mm-hmm. craving to, mm-hmm. to eat mm-hmm. everything in your sight, even though that's. Right. And I think if we get into Mm-hmm. I think if we get into some of like the darker corners of the modern human experience, the modern female experience, there actually are a lot of girls who are heavily involved very secretly in binge eating and the binging comes with the purging because of like female body standards. But I think that we would be shocked to see how many women are also like eating to the point of making themselves sick, except the difference is that they're physically making themselves sick at the end. It's one of those silent things. Mm. Mm. Yeah way more common than people think. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, you and I could probably both attest to this it, going to, so both of us, as you guys heard earlier, we both went to a small Catholic school, Franciscan, and mm-hmm. it, it comes off ho-hum that it's just this, you know, great, great little school in, in a lot of ways it is, but everything that you see at any other campus it, is there. It's real. You know, there are people who struggle with every single thing and go spend four months in the dorms and you'll, you'll come to realize that. I know I'd talk to my friends who are RAs or RDs who, you know, were a little more, um, I guess, involved in the lives of the students in their buildings. And they would never, of course, tell me who was struggling with what, but just the realities of, you know, the issues that were going on um, were real. And it's a, it's a hard reality, but it's a truth. And that's, that's coming from a Catholic school. And so, you know, imagine people who are sacramentally uh, not as blessed or not, not even going to mass, not even going to confession, don't have, um, or are not going to counseling, you know, therapy, whatever it is. Um, these problems persist even in, pro- probably in a, a greater way or a similar way. Um, right. But so you saying that all, all that to be said, it, it doesn't 
shock me as much as you know it might because I think that's just the reality of our our society today. Yeah. And probably absolutely. society as a whole always because we're human and we're we're sinful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really when we talk about gendering however subconsciously these vices where it gets into danger zone because when we fail to see gluttony as something that a woman might struggle with then we're denying ourselves the opportunity to minister to her and her the opportunity to be ministered for and then it becomes a shameful thing where it's like well if we're not acknowledging that women struggle with gluttony and no other girls are struggling with this i'm not going to talk about it I mean, that's why girls don't talk about something like binge eating or binge drinking or all of, or like even something like a shopping addiction, all these ways, because it's embarrassing. And you get the, the, the information you're getting from everyone else is that it's not a girl problem. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, to anyone who's listening at home, I'm sorry if I'm uh, maybe, I'm not following my script as much as I usually do. I usually <laughs> have my questions and I want to follow it. But I think this is, this is going to turn into as much a conversation as any of these um, have been, I, I guess I want to say then in reverse to that, how has um, positive reinforcement for that vice um, affected people as well? Because you say that there's people who are afraid to admit that they have this problem, but I see oftentimes the similar thing or the reverse where people are involved in these things and it's glorified. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how too is that also a, a problem? Totally, and I think it's glut. Uh, it's like glorified, <laughs> glorified gluttony with men when it comes to like, especially at a party. Like, how many beers can you drink? We're talking about like guys priding themselves in like these big crazy meals. And you know, the other really, really wonderful—it's not wonderful—but the the great thing about this topic uh, is that we can bring in our beloved C.S. Lewis, right? Um, who it, it's it's gluttony, right? In Screw Tape's letters, where he is talking about the gluttony of delicacy because like girls might not be shoving food in their face at brunch, like a little like animal, but it's going to be all about how fancy and petite can your food be and how like well portioned then you're going to put this on Instagram. It's, it's a different type of gluttony. Yeah. 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 I mean, I believe- I've, I've only read that book once, so I can't. Um... It is. I have something actually here it is. In the Screw Tape Letters, C.S. Lewis discusses delicacy, Gluttony's nasty little sister, from the perspective of the titular character, Screw Tape, who also just so happens to be a devil. Screw Tape describes the strategy he is employing against the soul of a female character as follows She would be astonished to learn that her whole life is enslaved to that kind of sensuality, which is quite concealed from her by the fact that the quantities involved are small. But do quantities matter, provided we can use the human belly and palate? to produce querulousness, impatience, uncharitable, and self-concern. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, too, I mean, I, I think, I guess I, I like to try to look at things in my own life because mm-hmm. as much as I do love to, to judge everyone around me, <laughs> I try to put pause on that and instead focus on myself. And I think, you know, there's the gluttony of um, a good time. You know, I... the constant craving of doing things and and being wildly entertained and you know I this weekend I was home and I was home in the sense of I literally was at my house for 80% of the of the weekend which is if anyone knows me is foreign I I just that's not how I operate and yet 
you know, there is, there was a craving to be doing something. And I think that's somehow, you know, it's, it's part of who I am that I like to be going, 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 but it's probably to a certain extent, uh, a disorder that I need to always keep in check because mm-hmm. it's a gluttony of doing things. It's not to show off. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily my reason. I'm not posting 900 photos to show how fun I have, how much fun I have as much as I enjoy the, the thrill and, you know, change. And I love meeting new people and all of that to the point where sometimes it's one of those things where I have to look at self and say, wait a second, let's, uh, let's look at this. Did, did I give him my time today? The one who actually needs it. And, and maybe there's something to be said about sitting in our uh, loneliness or, or quietness maybe is a better way to, to phrase it. There's nothing wrong with simplicity and steadiness in comparison to the everyday um, trappings of having a good time that I can so often fall into. So I, I, I think there's lots of fun ways you can look at it. Each person can probably say there's, there's something else that they uh, are drawn to or that can, can oftentimes be that gluttonous thing for, for them. But, you know, of course that's where we have to then be aware and navigate it in, in such a way, but go ahead, keep going with your, uh, Unless you have more to say about gluttony. No, good for the next one. Um, the next one's envy. Do you want to guess what, what percentage that was associated with masculinity and then what percentage femininity? Yeah, I, I, I remember looking at this one and I'm pretty, if, if I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure females won this one out. And I want to say, I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to guess like 90-10. Yeah, it, it, it was the outlier. So this is, yeah, um, 78 said that it was a feminine vice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to that, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Why do you think that that is the case? Um, you know, I understand. Well, well, I think it's because our, our society pits women against women so shamelessly. And so we get into these tropes of gossipy women and uh, jealous women and when there's only one seat at the table for women or we make these beauty standards so unattainable it's going to become pretty cutthroat to try to reach the impossible or the singular um but i think it's so funny because if we really think about it like to me envy breeds inane competition and who knows inane competition better than men yeah (laughs) you know not not to deny that women have an envy problem i'm totally agreeing we do um, in a, it, for the same reasons that men do when we're pitted against each other in a ridiculous ways. But like yeah. if you've seen, I think what I wrote about with this one, and I'm, you went to Franciscan, so you're going to get this as well, is uh, did you ever go to like an intramural volleyball game? Or did an intramural I, volleyball game? Did I, I don't play? Know. Of course I did, yes. <laughs> I refed them. And, oh, there you go. Oh, you refed them, so that's perfect. It's like you see these guys playing a intramural game like these, I mean, at that point you're a grown man, you're 21 years old and the hissy fits that these boys would have over like a ball. I, this is where you're going to lose me. I don't have a lot of sports references, like a ball going <laughs> out of bounds, like a call that wasn't in their favor. Like ridiculous. It couldn't oh. matter less. Couldn't matter less. And it's because they, it's, it's an, it's a mix. It's a bad, uh, but just, it's this horrible, 
combination of envy and pride that you see in men in competition on the court, but we don't see it as a male problem, you know? Yeah, well, I, but I do think to your point, because I, I, I agree with you. I mean, as somebody who refereed, there was mm-hmm. times where I had to kick people out of games, you know, and because I was like, your behavior is not appropriate for what we're doing here. And yet I can admit that I was as competitive as anyone on the court. That's my character. That's, but I, how I, I guess, display it is, is different. You know, if, if anyone ever said that I was a poor sport, I would, I would be very upset. That's not my, my character. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, the competitive side was there. So how you'd go about it, um, mm-hmm. of course, is going to um, dictate what people think of it. But with this one, too, I, I do think it's interesting, and maybe you will disagree or agree, but as we've talked about just a few of these examples, uh, I've noticed that what you've mentioned and then what I think of is actually typically the opposite sex is the first thing that comes to mind. You've Mm -hmm. mentioned men in this way. And in my head, I go to, how does this connect to, to women? And and maybe this is just how I look at it, but uh, just based on, um, I guess, rationale or just commonplace, this is seemingly, even though it's not, it seems like a competition where you're kind of saying like, I don't want to be associated as all the negatives as a man. And I'm sure vice versa, there's a point where you say, I don't want to be associated as a woman to all of these. And, you know, isn't that though, how the devil works? You know, he wants us to, he wants us to turn this into something that it shouldn't be instead of, you know, the desire that others may be holier than I provided I may be as holy as I should you know, desiring that everyone seeks holiness. And I'm not saying you don't desire that or I don't, but at our hearts, that should be our core, core desire. And Satan's like, if I can just kind of twist that a little bit, just for them to just focus on this in a different way. Anyway, just a Yeah, a I agree. Note. And I mean, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of times for me, when it comes towards men, I, it dies at sympathy. I can't make it to empathy because I don't know what it's like to be a man. I, I can't. You're, you're good. You don't need it. I can't fathom the levels of testosterone. I don't know. But if it it helps, the rest of envy was the only outlier. The rest of the vices, we will be focusing on how they affect women, if that helps. (laughs) Let's let's keep going then. Okay. We are going to move on to, ooh, spicy lust. Um, I got asked to be on another podcast. I have to do, I think I'm doing it in January or something. (laughs) Claire, can you come on and speak about female lust and I was like okay I gotta re-examine my career over here (laughs) 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 I mean like yes of course I will I have a lot to say but also like okay Uh, (laughs) so what was what were the numbers for that one uh let me pull them up hopefully I used them and didn't get lazy oh I got lazy I don't have the numbers I know it was like a vast vast majority but it would appear that I got a little lazy and didn't, if I close out of a vast majority went toward, toward it being a masculine vice for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what I did for my study is anytime it said like lust is masculine, then I did my examination on lust and femininity. And when they said envy is feminine, I did my examination 
on masculinity. Um, yes. So like just devil's advocate each time. Yeah. Mm. Um, so lust as feminine vice. Gosh, any thoughts right off the back while I look at my notes? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that, you know, for, firstly, when I think of lust and I think of, um, just from a, from my own perspective, you know, it's like, okay, it's something that I constantly have to be battling. And, and in an age today that is so pornographic, you know, and I've shared on this page multiple times, my, my own story, you know, pornography was something I was exposed to when I was little. And fortunately it's not had a grip on me in the major sense, you know, the, mm -hmm. the capital P porn has never been something I've really dealt with. Praise God. Mm -hmm. The lowercase P porn, the one you're on Instagram and all of a sudden someone posts <laughs> some lewd photo. Yeah. I, you know, though, that's something I have to fight with every single day. I mean, my buddy the other day said that uh, a great quote, he said that idle media is the devil's playground. And I loved that, you know, idle media is the devil's playground. So I guess when I think of lust, I think of, okay, I need to be challenging myself to uh, look away slash, you know, seek the virtue instead and, you know, be looking at females for what they really are as created in the image of God and not using them for my own personal gain in the moment. Then I think of in relationship you know, and the lusting factor. And it's funny. I mean, I was broken up with in a relationship one time because I didn't want to have sex, which some people might be shocked to hear that that be the reasoning. Cause I would thought that that was my, uh, <laughs> my mm -hmm. uh, ticket to being a decent guy that, you know, somebody might <laughs> want to date me because I didn't want to do that, you know, in the Catholic circles, especially. And so then I look at it, and I, I think with lust, you know, part of it goes back to the desire to love and be loved. And then it's also a, um, what, I, what I came to realize, I talked to my old boss about that relationship. And she said, you have to understand that sexuality can also become power. And it's a way to keep someone with you. And, you know, I never thought of it like that. Because fortunately in my life, you know, as much as it can be a struggle, I've never used my sexuality in that regard. And that's, I, I, this is not a judgment towards anyone who has. It's just a reality of my experience. And it's a, it breaks my heart for people who have been, you know, in a position that's not similar to that. And mm -hmm. so anyway, that's kind of my, I guess, my initial thought on, on all of that. But you know, I'm sure you could even give yeah. a much better uh, definition just even of what lust is. That is, of course, that's my idea of it. No, I don't. Right, yeah. I, I, I don't mean you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what lust is. That's not yeah, what I meant. I keep getting asked to, I'm going to be contacted by what, like EWTN? <laughs> 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 we are <laughs> You're like, hey, uh, I don't know why you guys would keep picking me for this, but it's weird. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's funny. <laughs> Whatever, I'll I'll take the hit. I'll do it. Um, yeah, and I. That's this not is, what I meant. As you like a, this is like an adult podcast, right? I mean, you said porn, so I can say porn. I can okay, and I'm I'm assuming that means I can also say masturbation. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just, you never know. I don't know what your target demographic is. No, I mean, uh, we, we don't swear on this podcast or we try okay. to avoid it, but in terms of the church and talking about things that are real, we're not going to hide from something. And Yeah, you know, totally. If, I can always put out a warning if you're 10 years old, don't listen to this, but That's perfect. I really have 10 year olds who are listening to my stuff anyway. It's, it's an older right. audience. Right. It's like what we talked about before we started filming. Life is R-rated. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it very exactly. much can be. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be, but um, yeah. So I'd say, I guess when I'm looking at my notes, the first thing that I noticed is Female sexuality in general, not even in the Christian culture, but like in our culture as a whole, female sexuality, I feel like a lot of times can be the butt of the joke. You know, when we look at even most, you know, a lot of people say like women aren't funny and I totally, totally disagree. But I do think a lot of, I think women are funny. Female comedians often aren't because they feel that they have to fall back on these hypersexualized jokes and tropes and which reduces female sexuality to you know a joke which is not great uh and something to be kind of exploited for success which we see all over hollywood and all over our own lives and exactly what you were saying before sexuality equals power for a lot of women and that reclaiming of sexuality as a means of reclaiming power um so i think a lot of times we see it belittled into humor and we see that with like amy schumer uh lena dunham where they try to reclaim the power that has been taken in you know, because a lot of women can feel disempowered in like the, I guess the sexual power balance that we do live in in the world. You go through enough times of like being groped, being catcalled, being used. Like you're going to try to reclaim this power in a, in a way that isn't actually empowering. Um, but I think even worse than laughing it off is shoving it under the rug because mm. I think that this, all right, hot takes on hot takes. You ready? I think everybody will tell you over and over again and they'll pull out their studies and they'll pull out their little catholic documents and they'll be like men are more sexual men it's physically claire it's this is a conversation i have no wonder i'm the female lust expert everybody all the time they're claire it's like something within men they just can't help themselves animalistic excuses 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 no i think that we're equally sexual but it's just different sexualities mm. that are triggered and displayed and enacted in different ways. So do yeah. women equally? Absolutely. It's just often not as visual. Like, yes, men are, they, they can be a little bit more visual, but it doesn't mean they're more sexual or more sexually hungry, more likely to be lustful. And that is just, to me, a total manipula manipulation of devil to isolate women in their vice. Yeah. Yeah. And even when it's not a vice, like when it's lust, it's a vice, but when it's like healthy sexuality being expressed within a relationship, when we see all these girls who are paralyzed by shame because of the isolation that mm. they feel. Yeah. Um, and do I think that more men watch porn than women? Yes. Do I think the masturbation rates are equal? Also, yes. Mm. It's just different, different triggers, different, all of these things, but it's just the stigma there's and so many people are doing such good work to try to destigmatize these things, but we're just so not there yet. We're so in the trenches of getting these conversations rolling. Oh yeah, well, and I mean too, you have so many sides. Um, you know, and this goes back to something we already said earlier, but it's like the reality is that in certain ways, these vices and these things are glorified. So it's kind of hard to push that 
you know, okay, this is a reality and yet it doesn't make you a bad person if you're struggling with this when society is telling you that it's not bad at all, you know, Mm -hmm. even though the reality is natural law is there and it, (laughs) it actually does speak to these things being harmful. But I think one thing, and I, and I haven't, I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but I think this is just something that goes, especially with this topic that we're discussing today is Mm -hmm. generalizations in general are not helpful. Mm -hmm. I truly generalizations in general are just not helpful. I mean, blanket statements about one side or the other. I mean, it drives me crazy. I I said this just the other day to my buddy and we were talking about, um, I have a friend or or I have multiple friends who have said, quote unquote, there are no good men. And I've had men who have said there are no good women. Mm -hmm. And I've never, I never get more mad than when I hear that statement. Because it drives me crazy. If a woman says that to me, I get upset because I'm like, excuse me, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm trying over here. So can you stop Mm -hmm. saying crap like that? And then on the reverse, you know, if a guy says that, I'm like, I know plenty of women who are awesome. And just because the ones you're pursuing don't don't meet that, that's not Mm -hmm. my fault. Or maybe in in the you know broader sense or more specifically is probably the better way to say it. We need to be looking at ourselves mm-hmm. before we uh, put, play the blame game. But anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, complete tangent. I just agree with had that. To, just I mean, had that to. is the purpose of this study is because I, it's hard. I don't want to go into it with ulterior motives of trying to prove something. I want to see genuinely, because the big goal for this is to find a way to get it sponsored into becoming an academic study and getting the actual like statistics and mathematics and sciencey part handed over to someone whose brain was engineered that way. And then I can write about it. Um, <laughs> but if I was going to have an ulterior motive for this, which I, I mean, I absolutely do for just being honest, I would like people to stop assigning gender and bias to vice and virtue in mm-hmm. order to be able to see it more clearly in a way that helps themselves and their neighbor. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that's my, that's my lusty one. I just think we're doing such a disservice to women by pretending that this is not their problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the ones who, mm-hmm. you know, admit, at least have admitted to themselves that it's something that they struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even harder to, to push forward with it. I mean, I, I know I've seen a few people over the last couple of years who have shared their story of as women who struggled mm-hmm. with pornography and I'm always shocked and I say, wow, they're so brave. Mm-hmm. While if a man shares their story, I don't think twice about it. And that's mm-hmm. probably an issue that, of mm-hmm. course, I support both sides. It's not a, I don't mm-hmm. think ill of either side. But when a man does it, it doesn't seem to mean anything to me because mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. well, of course, I'm glad you're willing to admit that something happened and you were put in this spot and here you are. And then when a woman, I'm like, how did that happen to you? And then it's a reminder. It's like, it shouldn't be like that. Pornography addictions within women are real, completely valid, completely understandable. They are a victim of the industry the same way that men are. But also I think it's just, it's kind of funny because it's, we care to study and work on female sexuality within the church so little that we're not even asking the right questions. We're treating it and we're diagnosing it and treating it the same way we would male addiction and male sexuality and male vice. Um, But 
but we need to be asking slightly different questions about what lust looks like in a female. But that requires female leaders because male leaders will never be able to ask the right questions because they don't know what it's like to be a girl, which mm. is why everyone should listen to me, the female lust expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to that point, and this will be the conclusion of episode one. I yeah. love what are in your mind, what are some of those questions that you think could be asked? Cause I, I do think you mm-hmm. have a point to be made that, you know, there, there's just the reality that men can't fully understand a woman. I mean, I'm always, I always think it's beautiful and, and laughable. Oh, and vice versa. But I, I always think it's beautiful and laughable at the same time. Sometimes when a priest is giving uh, marriage advice and I'm not saying that they don't, I, I'm the last person to tell you just because you haven't experienced something mm-hmm. fully does not mean that you can't speak about it. I think that's mm-hmm. what, you know, with abortion, we try to, we try to use that as a uh, defense for, for abortion. And it's, it's so, it's so false. Or when we apologize for sharing our opinions on something that we necessarily haven't fully experienced. No, that, that's, that's a, a bad ideology because it stops you from, you can still be sympathetic to things and have a, a stake in the claim, even if you haven't experienced it fully. But to your point, there are things that are going to be better uh, spoken to from female to female, male to male, with the experiences that biologically, especially mm-hmm. men and women um, are different, which is beautiful. So Absolutely. to your point, are there questions? What are those questions if you've have them at all or thank you yeah off the top of my head i mean like i said i think pornography addiction within women or just pornography struggles very legitimate very real but i would probably recenter the conversation around masturbation because Mm. i think that's probably the question we're not asking where a lot of it actually lies especially when we get into this modern christian age of like we have the information that pornography is bad you know so now I think a lot of people, like you, what you said with Instagram, I think a lot of people are finding workarounds, you know, <laughs> mm. where they're like, yeah, I know, I, I fight the new drug. Like, I'm not going to go to that website. But I think a lot of people are finding workarounds. Um, lastly, I believe there's a toxic am- amalgamation of, when did I write this? Did I have a bigger, bigger, uh, bigger vocabulary during this? Lastly, <laughs> I believe there's a toxic amalgamation of lust and pride in which good Christian women get off on being the forbidden fruit. It's something we don't admit to ourselves. So it goes undiscussed. Just look at the inane amount of pride and superiority that most Christian girls feel in regards to their virginity. Female lust is complicated and thus insidious. I'm saying this with all the humility in my heart, because I know that personally, the only thing stronger than my wants is my want to be wanted. This can lead to a temptress mentality that it's, to the cycle of unintended climax for the men and emotionally empty confirmation of being desired for the women. This mentality is selfish and cruel and we have to do better by ourselves and our partners. Wow, I was feeling spicy that day. That was a spicy sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, a little keyboard worry over there, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's good though for, you know, people to think about. And as I'm looking, I'm looking up at my, my calendar and the day that this will likely be released is the 27th of December, which is the Feast of St. John. So to conclude on today's episode, I mean, one, for people listening at home, um, if you think this, this conversation was a little too mature, understand that the realities of our faith and the realities of our society 
um, do call for us to speak on these things, even though they're hard and, and maybe a little more mature. And so I, of course, will do my job to um, specify to people listening that if any of what we talked about could trigger someone, I don't want that to happen. So don't listen. Um, but secondarily, I think, you know, as we look at this Feast of St. John, understanding um, that there are lots of ways to reconcile your brokenness with our Lord um, and find healing. But I think John gives us a wonderful example as we see Jesus at the cross. You know, he gives us his mother. He says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. Um, turning to the Blessed Mother in all of this, uh, especially with uh, the desire to be chaste and um, to live chastely, uh, she is a wonderful example of that. And so I think something that we can turn to um, in all in all cases. So St. John, pray for us. Our Lady, pray for us. But do you have anything, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up oh, this, great. this first thanks part? For, thanks for talking it out with me. That was great. Thank you. And God bless to all of you. And if you're listening to this before the new year, happy new year. <laughs>